I'm David Belson. And I'm Rachel Redan. And this is the Branding London Podcast. The first season is brought to you by Libro Credit Union, a group of epic humans focused on increasing prosperity in southwestern Ontario. They have just launched a new campaign, My Life Here, which fits the theme of this podcast quite nicely. To learn more, go to libro.ca slash mylifehere. Up next is Amanda Stratton. She's the co-founder of Hacker Studios, and we had a great conversation about what's going on with our city. At the time, she was uh, considering becoming a candidate for the NDP and ultimately ended up uh, as a candidate for the NDP in Elgin. Um, we had a great conversation. So before we jump to that, here is uh, Rachel with the land acknowledgement. We would like to acknowledge the history of the traditional territory and honor the longstanding relationships of the three local First Nation groups of this land and place in southwestern Ontario. The Ottawandaran peoples once settled this region alongside the Algonquin and Haudenosaunee peoples and used this land as their traditional hunting grounds. The three long-standing Indigenous groups of this geographic region are the Anishinaabe, the Haudenosaunee, and the Lenni-Lenape peoples. I'd like to recognize the three First Nations communities neighboring the city of London, Chippewas of the Thames First Nation, Oneida Nation of the Thames, and Muncie Delaware Nation. We continue to honor the legacy of the space we're in by using the Roundhouse to tell stories, increase collaboration, and work with our clients to improve human lives. We believe that telling the stories of our fellow Londoners will help bring us together to solve problems. Name, position, and function where you are. Sure. My name is Amanda Stratton. I am currently the NDP candidate in Elgin, Middlesex, London, but more long term, the <laughs> managing partner at Hacker Studios. Right. So tell us a little bit about, I mean, most people are familiar with NDP, but maybe not Hacker Studios. So what, is the, <laughs> what does Hacker Studios do in, in London? Uh, so Hacker Studios is a shared office space. Um, we were, I think, the first open concept co-working space that opened in mm -hmm. London. Uh, and we are working to build community. So to be more than a space, but to build community around startups and entrepreneurs, freelancers, whoever is wanting to grow things in London. What does it mean to, um, to grow a community in that sense? Well, that's interesting because that's something we've actually been thinking about a lot lately. Mm -hmm. We went through kind of a journey uh, I think maybe not unlike the one that you've written about at Attraction, like <laughs> yep. very different paths, very different pieces, but sort of the same conclusion that we started out doing this as a community building effort and that we kind of got off that path and we weren't really moving toward that mountain anymore. Mm -hmm. So we've been doing a lot of talking lately about how do we get back um, because what we've been hearing from a lot of people, from members and other people is sort of people saying, remember when we used to do... Mm this and this five years ago like what happened to that yeah. and uh in a lot of cases it's just these things sort of like through they kind of atrophied right like people whoever was running them yeah decided what, they didn't want to run them or, anymore yeah. uh you know things like that so we've been talking a lot about how do we support rebuilding community um and and a real community around young businesses, people with business ideas, uh, startups in the more sort of traditional sense, mm -hmm. um, but building real community because I think when we talk with people who leave London to, to run businesses, that's the thing that they leave for. It's is just the sense of how other people care, whether they're successful and mm -hmm. are invested in their success, how they feel welcome, 
Um, they feel like there's people for them to talk to. There's somewhere they can go that they run into people they know. Um, that's the thing that people are leaving for. So you have obviously some programming around that uh, in a physical space off Dundas. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we're moving into a new space. Right now, actually, the Dundas Place construction crew is using it okay. <laughs> uh, as an interim office until they get their permanent office or semi-permanent, I guess, for the next two years. And once they're done with it, then uh, we're going to be doing some renovations and then we'll have a new space right on Dundas Street across from the London Music Hall. Cool. Uh, very, very central, even more than we were before, which was only a block away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's amazing how, you know, getting closer to the, the core. Yeah, well, and the cool thing is now we can see like Innovation Works and mm-hmm. Unlondon like out our back door. Mm-hmm. So there's the, a little cluster. There's a cluster, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cluster uh, growing. You know, I think we'll probably come to that that cluster. But, um, you know, I think one of the things, if I think of uh, the startup community in, in London, it's, uh, you know, Amanda and Joel and Hacker Studios sort of come to, to mind. So you've been working on the startup uh, community now for, a few years you were you were kind of an early adopter in recognizing that we needed to to spend some time and energy and and resources in that community so it's been uh, how many years have you been me personally i've only lived in london for about five years Mm -hmm. a little over i guess it's almost six years now Mm -hmm. maybe i don't remember something like that but we started hacker studios five years ago joel my partner has been working with startups in london and on building that community going back much further you know 10 15 years um so for me, it's been a newer thing. And um, I worked on a national level um, on building startup communities with people across the country. So I was able to bring a lot of what we saw elsewhere um, to London and try to do that. And that's kind of what we want to get back to is looking at like what's working for people other places where they really have these thriving communities. And how do we not necessarily just duplicate that? Uh, you know, slot in London names and, and mm-hmm. duplicate that. But how do we create community here that's that works as well as some of those other communities do? Great. So um, I think you kind of answered the second question, which was how do you describe your uh, your job to somebody who doesn't work in industry? So I'm going to skip that one because okay. uh, I think you just answered it. But um, unless you have something that you want to nope. add. Uh, I get to kind of just make my job up every yeah. day. So <laughs> That's the entrepreneurial dream, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so I guess the next question is, you know, you mentioned you've been in London for five years. Uh, why are you here? What keeps you here? Um, in some ways, I have what I think is a pretty typical story because I ask people that all the mm-hmm. time. Um, actually, everywhere I go, when I travel and stuff, I ask people, why do you live here? Yeah. What do you like about this? Definitely in London, I ask people all the time, why did you move here? Or uh, I know some people, like my husband, has lived here his whole life. Mm-hmm. Like, what's keeping you here? Uh, and I think I have a pretty typical story in some ways, which it has to do with, you know, shared custody and <laughs> job opportunities <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, school districts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did have the opportunity when we moved here. We kind of got together as a extended family, which is, you know, me, my kid's dad, his wife, uh, and said, what are some places that work for people's career options Mm -hmm. and we narrowed it down to a list and uh, eventually it was between London and Waterloo Mm -hmm. and I chose London. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had been to London a fair bit in kind of the year or two years leading up to that. I'd come started coming for events so I you know saw concerts at the Aeolian and Mm -hmm. plays at like McManus Theatre and the Arts Project and Things like that, and I had come to really like London, and just sort of I love the placiness mm. of London. So that's 
um, why I chose London. What, what, what do you mean by placiness? Can we define that? Yeah. Well, I think it's like a geography term, like a sense of place. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, when you get dropped into the middle of London, you know, like, oh, this is Richmond Street. This is Victoria Park. This is Dundas Street. This is Soho. Mm -hmm. Like you, there's um, characteristics that are really good identifying characteristics, you know, and there's other places in the world where if you're driving down the street and there's some places in London that are like this, you know, it's an SO station and mm -hmm. a mall and you would have no idea where you were if you got dropped into the middle of that. So mm -hmm. the sense of place is like the ability to recognize something by its identifiable characteristics. And I just really thought London had a great placiness and I like places. So I may be one of the few people who moved to London specifically because I love downtown London. Well, and then obviously you're uh, you're getting involved in politics in the region. So you, uh, you feel uh, pulled into helping make the community better. Is that a fair assessment? I'm, I'm making that maybe that question based on what I know about you, which isn't maybe fair to other <laughs> listeners. But uh, there seems to be a, a gravitation towards, you know, helping the startup community to now maybe the broader community at large with the shift into politics. Is that a fair? Yeah, and part of it does have to do with startup community and supporting business, but there's a lot of other things where, you know, as someone who's like engaged in community stuff, there's a lot that you can do as an advocate or within mm -hmm. a nonprofit or something that's very issue focused. There's a lot that you can do, but you start to identify systems mm -hmm. issues as you get involved in those things. Mm -hmm. And there's a certain point where you go, okay, this is the stuff I wanna work on to make better and the job where you get to do that is in government. So, so yeah, to, uh, to help keep making the community better. Uh, for me, I felt, um, I still identify with my rural roots and mm -hmm. I know you, uh, have Got similar yep. roots. We're from si very near each other. Uh, I'm from Ethel, which most people don't know, but you might. I've heard from, of it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know that I can point it out on a map, but most people can't. Yeah. Um, so for me running where I am, and having a regional approach is really cool. Getting to be part of a rural area again is very cool because that's something that I've missed being in London. Cool. Next question is, what do you think that London does better than anywhere else? That's hard for me to answer because I haven't been everywhere else, <laughs> but I, I can tell you some things that I think London does best. God, let's hear uh, it. Some of London's best qualities. So on a really practical front, uh, locally owned international restaurants. Mm -hmm. I think I think actually somebody told me once, like quantitatively, London has more per capita than I forget what geographic yeah, yeah, yeah. area. Uh, but definitely, you know, locally owned restaurants uh, and international restaurants. If you're going to fast food restaurants in London, like you're doing it wrong because there's <laughs> so much amazing options. And I think that that's indicative of overall London supports local mm -hmm. really well. Um, what I do you think that is? Um, you know what? That's an interesting question. Why does London support local really well? Uh, I think it's part of maybe a bigger thing London does well, which is I think London's really good at coming together mm -hmm. around lots of things. Um, so I think that we value and have pride in London, that we sort of are, are pretty good at looking out for each other in London. Um, and there's lots of ways that it kind of manifests that London's really good at coming together. So there's things like, you know, causes like you guys did the, um, the play at the mm -hmm. grand, you oh, know, $30,000 yeah. overnight, right? Mm -hmm. Like 
That was amazing. Yeah, (laughs) that was pretty incredible. But also people are good at, you know, we have a great um, neighborhood network Mm -hmm. in London, which you don't see in every city because people are really good, not just at coming together in their own neighborhood. But we as a city are really good, I think, at recognizing the value of people coming together in their neighborhoods. Uh, I don't know. You know, I can't I can't speak to like historically what built this culture in London, but I definitely think. We're very good at supporting local. We're very good at coming together. Um, I think there is a side of that where it raises the questions like, why are there some things that we're not so good at coming together around? Can't think of any recent examples (laughs) at all. (laughs) Yeah, things like the safe consumption site. Uh, Certainly there's, yeah, social issues in London that that we don't seem so eager to come together around. So uh, there's that side of it. But there is also a really great side. I think what I'm sensing is a shift. I've lived here for, for 15 years um, is an openness. I guess it's longer than 15 years. But anyway, uh, an openness. Also, the, you know, the safe injection site, the BRT is obviously a contentious issue. Um, yes. I do think that people are willing to, to have those dialogues now more than ever. Um, I do think it is still too polarizing and, and people who fundamentally disagree on you know again you can pick a project like brt i think if you got them together and, and talk you'd find that there's more common sensibilities around what the city should be doing and how we should be doing it it's mm-hmm. just we're disagreeing on the tactical implementations uh, same with the safe you know injection site i'm 100 percent confident that everyone wants to see the uh, folks that use those systems to get the help that they need there's just a difference of you know putting the pin on the map where that should yes. be so how do we have that dialogue um as a city and i think there's an openness or at least a an acknowledgement that having those conversations is important to drive issues forward that i think again 15 20 years ago the issue wouldn't even be raised uh or one side being the dominant you know probably in london's case the business community side would automatically win so if there's some strong proponents uh, uh business leaders that didn't want brt to happen for example then it just wouldn't happen. Uh, yeah. Whereas I think now there's a there's a balance of, of voices coming to. Would you agree with that? Or yeah, I, I don't have the historical yeah. perspective necessarily, but I do think that there's even in the time that I've been here, um, definitely I see more people stepping up for you know some of the other interests um, besides uh, the business interests, I guess. Although I don't know if it's always business, but. Like when I first came here and I decided that I was going to use transit, mm-hmm. I was kind of floored that nobody uses transit, mm-hmm. <laughs> really. Uh, and not nobody. A lot of people use transit. But when I was talking with people and I would go out to community events and, you know, find some politics and mm-hmm. things like that, none of those people were using transit. They weren't really talking about transit. Mm-hmm. They didn't really seem to care whether we had good transit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very much a poverty issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, you know, you mentioned BRT. That has changed. Yeah. completely now there's business leaders on side with brt yeah. and better transit um and the other thing that i think that we have got better at more recently is i noticed that more often even when people really disagree with each other even if it does come down to fundamental values differences they're able to still be respectful and i think maybe that's part of like actually a global shift where we're realizing like People on the other side of the keyboard are they're, real people they're too. Yeah. They're, or Russian bots. Yeah. yeah, some of them are Russian bots, so it's <laughs> But tough. the ones that you know in the community, uh, you know, I've always found social media for me is um, 
a, a double-edged sword because yeah. there's some people um, that I've seen take positions online and very been very frustrated by or felt angsty. I don't know if that's a proper verb con- uh, congregation, but um, where then I meet them in person and they're like amazingly warm you know, human beings and I have uh, a, a great connection with them that allows me to actually filter through their <laughs> Their online comments through a slightly different lens. I may yeah. still disagree with what they're they're saying, but I know that the expression through the digital media is through uh, a common connection that we believe that London should be a better place. We just mm-hmm. disagree whether that should be road widenings for cars or dedicated lanes for buses. But we both want the city to to thrive and and do well. So the more that we can have that common understanding, I think it allows us to have better conversations and more productive ones. Yeah. And I think for me, too, like the more that I've said things online and then realized, oh, that came out wrong. I didn't mean it that way. That's not the tone it was in in my head. The more that I have become understanding that other people probably do the same thing. Not everybody's this expert communicator who's carefully crafting everything. And and I find sometimes the more that you carefully craft things, the more that people, okay, what is that? You know, that was really well worded, Bilson. You normally make uh, grammar mistakes. What do you really think on this issue? It's like, no, no, that's just, I had my wife proofread tweet before I sent it. That's all. Uh, But yeah, I think, um, the, you know, the authentic voice that we assume somebody is engaging with in social media sometimes will completely off. And that's why yeah. I, I like I'm experimenting with the Facebook Live format, uh, the video format, obviously, with what Webisodes is doing in the podcast format as well for this type of engagement. Um, because I think even if somebody disagrees with, uh, you know, some of your positions, even uh, getting to understand who you are and what motivates you as a human hopefully opens you up uh, to be able to have that dialogue. Yeah, I agree. Cool. I'm glad we agree. We don't have to like actually disagree, which would be uh, very meta at that point. Um, what does innovation mean to you? Well, so there's a really super technical definition of innovation. Let's hear uh, it. <laughs> if you don't have to double your head. You know, when you actually work in innovation, uh, work in innovation, when you do things that support innovation, uh, the super technical definition, right, is like an innovation is something, um, an idea, a process, a object that is new or perceived to be new by a unit of adoption a human Mm -hmm. (laughs) being and it's a super jargony definition but i actually like the definition because the focus of it is on the unit of adoption Mm -hmm. the human being Um, creating something you know in your basement in a vacuum is an innovation innovation only exists when you bring that somewhere when it impacts somebody so it's just a very outcome focused uh, definition of innovation. And Can you so give I me the, the like unit it. that you equivocate, equivocate to a human? Uh, sorry, give me that again. The last you said it's a human, but uh, a unit of bringing something new to a unit of adoption, unit which of adoption. generally is you know a person, but could be a business. Could uh, well, be I'm a, just curious. You know, if I put my like super nerd hat on and we start talking about AIs and, and robots, is that a potential? I suppose you know, that yeah. could be. I yeah, mean, that's down the road, but I, you know, I think it's because you could take one definition to say if the the unit of adoption is fundamentally a human then we can only consider it an innovation if we've improved human life or human and i don't productivity. think technically that definition the unit of adoption means a human but i like to think you of like it, it that way that way <laughs> no I, and i agree I, I would think maybe even for the past 200 years that would potentially hold true but i think there's some asterisks on what we think of a productive member of our 
our workforce being when you get into AI. I know that's super nerdy. I don't want to spend a lot of time on that, but I was curious <laughs> around that. We I like that definition. I that. could. I probably I have so many that I want to <laughs> talk about. I just need more time. Um, so when you look at, uh, you know, I asked this question because you're two lens. You're a new candidate for um, a provincial election, although we don't theoretically know if that's happening yet. But pretty good indication. I think it's soon. okay with provincial elections. <laughs> it's scheduled. It's, it's required. Scheduled. We, to it's required. Happen. We know it's going to happen. <laughs> Um, as far as I know, we're not breaking any uh, laws no, by saying we're not you're, breaking uh, any laws. Uh, if you're municipal, it'd be a different conversation. But um, you know, so I, I would ask, um, you know, how does government innovate? And then also, as Hacker Studios is a as a space. Um, so the next question you can answer from both lenses, both as a new candidate and as uh, somebody who's run an operated business to help other businesses. I guess if I can put a point on it, um, how does how do those two entities do you see innovation working? Sure. Because they're to two totally different worlds. They're very different, um, but related. So mm -hmm. I think that's important to remember. Let's like anytime it. you're doing government stuff, you have to remember what are the impacts of this mm -hmm. real world. And certainly the business community is one area where there are impacts from government decisions. Um, so the interesting thing about Hacker Studios, like I've been thinking about this and I talked with Joel about it. Mm -hmm. Like, how are we innovative? Uh, and the interesting thing is that we don't think of ourselves mm -hmm. as innovative. By the technical definition, I guess, we've brought some things that existed elsewhere to a new unit of adoption. We've brought it to a new city. Mm -hmm. we, uh, but we've really very intentionally done things that work other places and tried to um, use things that are use evidence based mm -hmm. approaches to building a startup community uh, and brought them to London. Like very intentionally, we've not been particularly innovative. Uh, we've tried to support other people yeah. uh, that I think are innovative, that are doing cool. You know, we've had all kinds of people through the space that are doing cool like community innovation, mm -hmm. uh, tech stuff. Um, not a lot of high tech, but sort of digital creative stuff. Uh, and um, but we mostly have not we've very deliberately not been particularly innovative on a global scale mm -hmm. we've just tried to bring things to london and to make sure that london's included in things that are happening that are cool that are new um that are you know london appears in the list of attendees and speakers and mm -hmm. and things that are happening on sort of that global innovation stage um, how are we doing on that not that well i no. don't think <laughs> you know i think um i think that we could be doing a lot better but there's not, I wrote a column once about how I think one of the things London should do is support people to go be speakers at events, to mm -hmm. go attend important conferences. You know, I know there's some companies, like I know you guys send people to industry yep. conferences, um, and that's great because that means there's people there that, you know, if, if you go there and you speak or you're uh, on a panel or something, that's even better that London's represented. Yeah, I think Digital Echidna, uh, you know, <laughs> owns the space of, I think, <laughs> invading uh, the Drupal conventions. Right. And uh, they've got some really great people there that get get profiled for London. Which is great. Work. And I imagine that probably benefits you because if somebody goes, oh, I really liked that company, I'm going to look and see what's available. Yep. The next thing they do is they look and see what other companies are in that city. Yep. That's not uncommon for us, uh, at least you know, in previous years, for us to be bidding on a project in Toronto and be up against Res I Am Echidna and, and our attraction is the three finalists because of that cluster effect so i would agree yeah. even though we're competitors um when they do well i do think there's an offset boost to those of us that are here uh, that do well yeah and i think whenever 
London's profile is improved, that helps for employers. Um, you know, I think just a couple of years ago, for the first time, there were speakers from London at Banff. Mm-hmm. Um, that blew me away that that was the first time anybody from London, you know, that had ever said on the speakers list, so-and-so, London, mm-hmm. Ontario. Um, I've definitely been to lots of conferences, even just, you know, Kitchener, uh, where I've kind of looked through to see who else from London is even here. Mm-hmm. Um, and often it's nobody. Uh, so I think we we need to do better. I think it's something that's actually worth supporting at the municipal level mm-hmm. to be able to send people as representatives. Um, because I think that as employers in the city, one of the things that I know people struggle with when I've talked with people is um, just the attractiveness of London yeah. to other people. So then that comes into, you know, what is London's identity? It's, and, it's uh, recruitment and retention, so. I think it's, it's huge for tech companies and I think medical as well and, and probably, you know, any field that's growing. Um, and I know one of the, there's two different, uh, aspects that we fall down on one is the person's perception that there may not be other jobs for them yes. in the city uh, whereas a city like waterloo if you're recruiting for technology they're not really worried about it because that's the perception that there's lots of technology stuff going on there um, the other one's frankly the finding the, the spouse or, or partner of that individual coming to the city getting them engaged and if we have a terrible brand uh, or um you know, they don't get positive experiences, uh, then that's a huge problem mm-hmm. for the city. So um, Jody Simpson has a city match. You know, she's addressing that very discreet problem that's been raised by the technology community. So looking at those types of innovation solutions. But yeah. I think I do think in order to support that, that's why I started this this concept is, uh, boy, it'd be great if we had some positive story uh, in national media, what tends to bubble up is not good so if you've experienced london from vancouver or toronto or calgary uh you haven't seen the speakers from london that's a great great point you have only heard about pretty much racist events i think are what tend to make the national stage in in london um so you would have this perception which doesn't meet the reality of of some of the great things going on so i think that's a really good point are there other things that we could be doing as a city to to get our stories to the the more regional or national stage, yeah. I'll throw that over to you. You have any other that? I mean that. Yeah, I mean going to work conferences was a great idea. Do you have any more? <laughs> what Jody's doing at City Match is incredible. If everybody yeah. could have a Jody Simpson, right? Like, and she's the perfect person to do it to introduce people yeah, to the amazing, city. Yeah, she's amazing. She's amazing. If everybody could have a City Match, that would be amazing because I think there really are a lot of wonderful things in London that people can connect mm-hmm. with, but they can be hard to find. Um, I think. I think like I kind of disagree that there's a bad perception of London. Mm-hmm. And I said this, I, I think I actually wrote a column about it too once. Um, you know, I grew up not far from here. So did you. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe you would have a similar take on it or maybe very different. Uh, but I remember once when there was people talking about, you know, London's only ever in the news for bad things. We mm-hmm. have such a bad reputation. We're a laughing stock or all mm-hmm. this stuff. And I said, like, I grew up not far from here, like far enough that London's not my home in mm-hmm. any way, but close enough that I could come to London anytime I wanted. Um, nobody has a bad impression of London. Nobody has any impression mm-hmm. of London. And I, I've been for better or for worse. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I've been thinking about it lately, like growing up not far away. What was my um, what did I think about London? And, you know, there were three reasons to come to London. Storybook Gardens the mall and the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were really only two things 
else that I knew, which was that people run red lights and you'll get a parking ticket. <laughs> like <laughs> there was no, I had no sense at all of an identity of London. Um, as I got older, I knew some people that came here for school. Mm -hmm. So there was some sense of kind of like what, what's life like at Fanshawe or Western, um, but really no identity. And in some ways I think that's okay. I think we're still there. Mm -hmm. um, it's a blank slate, I think. Um, I don't think people Sorry. have a bad perception of London. I've never really encountered someone who does. Well, there's something that's uh, in psychology and I don't know a lot about it, but there's the spotlight effect. So I think sometimes uh, if we see a national news article that's sort of embarrassing to the city, that can be very like, oh, you know, again, this is happening, but that news cycles pretty quick. So yeah. I don't know to what uh, extent those opinions form and get locked in, but I'm also curious. Uh, maybe I, I probably should interview some people outside of <laughs> London, but it might be a very short interview. You know, what do you know about London? Eh, it's close to Toronto. Nothing. Uh, it, it, I think it's got a good hockey team probably would come out, you know, at the yeah, hotel, among but, some people. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think like what you just said, you know, that spotlight effect that we're like, oh, more bad news has another unfortunate consequence that we tend to try to like hide those things really quickly. Mm -hmm. So there has been racist incidents, oh, right? For sure. Um, and they kind of get brushed aside and not dealt with, I think. And there's been a couple other things um, because we're like, we don't want this to be to Our be story, London. Yeah. Uh, so I think, you know, doing something like this where you're trying to figure out like, what is our story? I think that's what you're, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> what is our story? I, Who are we is great because once we embrace like the awesome part of our identity, I think we also can embrace the things that we're like, these are the things I love about myself. These are the things I want to change. Right. You right. do that on a personal level. We can do that on a citywide <laughs> level Yeah, agreed. and not be so scared of the things we want to change. Yeah. If you have uh, the positive stories that are out there, I do agree with you that I think the the negative ones become less threatening. But in absence of the positive, those negative ones seem really yeah. detrimental. And I think it's the same like on an individual level, right? Be. Like if you don't have confidence about anything, then the tiny little bad things make you feel like, oh, I'm just like a worthless person. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about at all. It's <laughs> <laughs> turned I, into a therapy I session. I never felt that way. <laughs> um, but the same thing when you're in a better headspace can be very much like, oh, that's not so bad. I can fix that. I can change that. Yeah. Or actually, I don't even care. That's a bad thing about me, but whatever. We're just gonna, There's a lot it's of gonna good be, things about me. It's going to be what it is. What it is. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Good, uh, really good point there. And, you know, one of the questions is, you know, does London have an identity problem? I think you sort of answered that with maybe, maybe, right? But yeah, I think our identity problem is that we, partly it's like that we think we have an identity problem. Right. You know, I think we're trying is to- Is there self-esteem built? I you think know, so. Collective I think self -esteem? London is like this very insular, very insecure city. Um, Can a city be insecure collectively? Because I know there's some pretty <laughs> big personalities and things like that, but I mean, I would agree with you. I'm just challenging on- is yes. that even a is that even a construct that a city can a, have a I suppose it's a trend I've noticed among people mm -hmm. um, is there's a real sense of inferiority mm -hmm. I guess um, that I don't think is warranted mm -hmm. you know I think London <laughs> London's pretty awesome a lot of the people in London are really awesome and the people are what make London so yeah. you know if you're not awful and I'm not awful <laughs> London's not awful um, I do think we try really hard to invent an identity and ignore some of the things that actually are really awesome about London. We're not like embracing who we really are. Mm -hmm. uh, like so what I are said, some of the examples? Can you rhyme off some of some things that are awesome uh, in the city or awesome innovations? You know, one of the examples I use, you know, the guy who plays the steel drums mm -hmm. at DNR, uh, 
Like I said to somebody one day, until we embrace that that guy is part of what makes London awesome, yeah. we will never figure out what London is. <laughs> that guy, who I wish I knew his name. Oh, I knew it at one point. He's part of what makes London awesome. Yep. And there is, um, like, there's a placiness. There's a feel of London that exists already. It's like it's like a brand, right? Yeah. Like, you have a brand. Your company has a brand. You yep. can either have it intentionally or, or <laughs> it can just happen to you. Yeah. But there's a way people perceive you. Um, and definitely there's a feeling in London and because we're, we're not embracing what really is there. I think that we are missing out. Like, I think that's our identity problem is that we're not embracing everything, the stuff that we kind of like, I love that guy. Uh, (laughs) I think a lot of people do. Well, what's interesting is, um, you know, really like the, the band Soundgarden and they have the, the song Spoon Man which is about a guy who I think it was a Pike Place Market would play the spoons uh, and they made a song about him and took him on tour and things yeah. like that. But it was that he was there, you know, through that song that was part of their identity of, of the spoon man. So uh, that's an interesting kind of, you have a mega, you know, mega alternative rock band in the nineties <laughs> taking that point and saying what's really cool about our place and our, our music revolution is not necessarily just nirvana it's not Soundgarden. it's not pearl jam but actually it's the guy at pike place market playing spoons that makes our identity hum i think like locally roy mcdonald is a good example Mm -hmm. of someone that was really embraced as like here's this quirky thing that's part of our identity yeah you expect to see roy when you're out um and there's other things you know festivals i think get underplayed here when actually they're Mm -hmm. like one of the very coolest things uh about london and I think people kind of go, we don't really want to be like the festival. Well, the festival city's taken. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't want that to be our thing. Um, but why not? Yeah. Why, I mean, I, is Sunfest a good example of innovation in our city then through that looking through that lens? Um, I think so. I mean, I don't know. Logistics I don't know of all it. The, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think it's, it's, you know, a very cool thing that a lot of people attend, that a lot of people come from outside of the city to attend. Yeah, I think um, I think even just using our downtown park that way mm-hmm. so much, um, you know, you don't see that a lot. I don't know of a lot of other cities that have that kind of space that they use that way. And, and we're expanding on that with Dundas Place. Yeah. We're going to have more space that we want to use that way. I guess uh, maybe Dundas Place is a, a more example, uh, more current example of something that's innovative that's happening in the city that is a collaboration, I assume, between businesses and the community and municipal government and infrastructure dollars and all those things that people love yeah. to talk about. But, um, you know, it's creating a, a space where innovation can happen uh, in our downtown core. Yeah, like community innovation, yeah. right? Like, I think there's going to be some very cool things that happen in that space agree. if we empower people to use it. I'm excited about that one. Uh, that's one of the, I remember actually at Emerging Leaders 10 years ago, I want to say, that that was an idea that kind of came out and, and was in the, the public consciousness of an opportunity. So it took 10 years to kind of, for the community to, to bring that through. But uh, yeah. it's an amazing, amazing thing. So the... Um, you know, we kind of talk about, is it something we should be concerned about that this, the city of London doesn't have a, a firm identity or is an, is an open identity for anyone to define? But maybe I'll ask it as a, a more prescient point. Is is that something that would concern you as, as you know, owning a business as a Londoner, um, being part of the, the community and helping to build London and now, in the, you know, branching out of the political spectrum? Is it a concern that 
our identity is up for anyone to define. I don't think it being up for anyone to define is a bad thing because I don't think you can, like I think in a city of this size, I don't think you can have it any other way. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the thing, some aspects of our identity, I think can be um, not controlled, but promoted and shared by different agencies and it'll be different aspects of that. So mm-hmm. the Economic Development Corporation, I think Kapil was here this yeah, morning. Yeah, he was, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. They're going to be promoting different aspects of our identity because they have different markets of people that they're trying to draw into London. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to be promoting things that are not going to be of interest to, uh, you know, the young family where, you know, both the parents are working in manufacturing and uh, they're looking for somewhere that their kids can get involved in sports on a, on a more serious level, mm-hmm. right? Like they're not interested in what the LAUC is promoting. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the people that are marketing to those families aren't, uh, you know, they're talking about stuff that maybe isn't of interest to uh, to other groups. So I don't think I don't think there's a way to go. Here's our identity. Everybody get behind this. Mm-hmm. I think there's things you can do. You can create, you know, branding in a, uh, you know, a yeah, look at it's more traditional stories way. versus, you know, some people think of branding as, um, you know, the logo or a, a slogan. Uh, I see branding as being more nuanced and, uh, you know, Adam was actually here this morning. He's got a really great definition and uh, it's, it's more even about the brand promise. So if we say that London's a great place to start a business, is it? Yeah. Uh, is it if we say that London's a great place to raise a family, is it? Is it a great place to go to school, is it? And to what extent can we say that London is this thing, but then making sure that we have the alignment uh, along the way to make sure that it happens. So, yeah, I... Uh, so my, this project is, uh, I have a hypothesis of an idea just to sort of frame conversations around, you know, the common thread being human innovation, but it is truly a hypothesis. And what's more important to me is that some of these stories start to be told about uh, innovation in the city and, and why people are here and what they, uh, what they believe yeah. in. So I do, I think that no matter what industry you're in, whether you're trying to employ people or whatever i think it really does come down to what does the rest of someone's life look like Mm -hmm. in this city um so yeah it comes down to the culture and what culture to me is what things can you do here Mm -hmm. Uh, so it is that kind of the promise of um what's your life going to be like Mm -hmm. if you're here uh more than what job will you have and i think the um you know the cultural uh, I say renaissance is maybe too strong of a word yet, but uh, you know whether it's your uh, experiencing our, our sports teams through the, you know the work Grand Theater is doing to our symphony to um, you know all these different things, you can have a pretty broad range of experiences here in London. And yeah. uh, what drives me crazy is when people say there's <laughs> there's nothing to do in the city of London. It's you know um, there's so much. <laughs> there's literally so much stuff going on uh, that. We totally have, uh, to me, that's, again, it's a brand mismatch, that there's a story that is still in the public ethos that London's a boring town. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, if you compare and contrast to New York City, you know, you're going to come up short in some ways. But I like your example of local restaurants. You know, if you have you branched out and tried some of the other experiences that you can have in the city, have you tried, uh, instead of going to, you know, uh, a mo- the traditional movie theater, have you tried our local theater? Have you tried... Yeah. Um, you know, jeans and classics at uh, you know, symphony if regular orchestral music isn't your jam there's 
different ways that you can experience performing music in the city and how do we shift that narrative to there's nothing to do in the city of london to actually there's an overwhelming amount of things you can do uh you just have to pick your pick your path i guess that's kind of what i'm trying to do but yeah looking for ideas or inputs on how we actually shift that narrative in the city because it's been here since i've been here and i nobody's been able to displace that no, I, I definitely agree with you that that's the perception is that it's people call it like a nice place to raise a family, mm. uh, but that wouldn't actually be a nice place to raise a family. No, there's nothing either, to do. Right? Yeah. Like, um, yeah, it's interesting. It, what I think is interesting is we tend to focus on the big things. Like what are the big events you have? What are the amazing places yeah. that you have to go? And really, like I know a lot of people who live in Toronto. They don't spend every day at the CN Tower. No. Like, they well, I lived in Seattle. I never went to the Space Needle until my parents came to visit, right? Like, yeah outside people um you know the same thing like i i have people that live internationally and they can't believe i never went to the niagara falls until i was like 27 and i took yeah. my kids uh like when you're there you that's not life like yeah. those big events aren't life and you will travel for those big events mm -hmm. i think the focus is really like it is more like international restaurants it theater that you can pop out and see there's lots of amazing bands in london mm -hmm. that play like any night of the week you can go see a band and the beer is cheap here mm -hmm. so cheap uh, <laughs> and we've got a craft brew microcosm kind of starting yeah here. so not the beer is cheap and good a brewery which is, on every corner yeah, yeah. Really important yeah so i think it's the everyday things of like the stuff that you can do that we don't talk about enough because it's not why do we not talk about them because it's not it's sexy it's not a it's not the big you know toronto blue jays fifty thousand. do you know what i think part of it is i think so there's people like you and me who lived a lot of our lives elsewhere and came here yeah. and those are a lot of the people i encounter who go like man london is awesome mm -hmm. but people who've lived here their whole lives and that's a lot of london mm -hmm. they don't realize how awesome london is because mm -hmm. they think every city is like that they think every city has these kinds of things so taken for the granted beer is 450 in every city it's <laughs> not um, i think i think yeah i think they don't realize not every city has a bud garden yeah. that gets that level of performers in a stadium with great seats everywhere yeah, with a five like, minute drive to get to and reasonable parking yeah yeah you like, can have better or not better even necessarily but more uh more variety of shows or larger shows at ACC, but the cost uh, and the seats are terrible. Yeah, not to knock no, a great Ontario institution. Is good. I haven't been to a bad concert yet there or bad experience yet. I have been to so. a bad concert, but it was not because of <laughs> yeah. Well, the yeah, there's there's um, one at person, one individual at a concert I did not enjoy, <laughs> but the, that's not yeah. Me. Yeah, yeah. I think people that have lived here their whole lives don't. Just don't appreciate how awesome all those things are. So uh, if you want to appreciate London, go move away, which yeah. the people in economic <laughs> development would be uh, cranky with me. Just you for know, a while. I, well, I do think that there there isn't a recognition that people do come back to London. And I think that you maybe hit yeah. on a point that um, for those that maybe haven't had that experience and come back that have just stayed, it's a, a reframing to listen to people who have lived in other cities that don't take for granted uh anything from ranging from the, the you know the commute to i, I do think we have a you know, world-class theater that's the fraction of the price of what you play in toronto and you can get home in five minutes right like yeah. there's, there's so so many different trade-offs and, and if it, you want to go to toronto it's not that far away that. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. it's, it's pretty perfect here cool. so 
I do like to give the last couple minutes. Uh, if there's something I should have asked you but didn't, uh, you know, in the context of this branding exercise, or if you have questions for for me. Gosh, I was not prepared to have questions for you. That's fine. Sometimes people, I just want to give people the opportunity to think, yeah, I really wish I had said this or uh, boy, you know, I, you know, because I'm asking all the questions. I'm really curious about this thing that maybe we didn't talk about. Hmm. I don't think that I have anything. Right. I feel like a bad podcast <laughs> guest now. No, no. Uh, most, most. I'm not going to get the job, am you're I? not going to get the job. I'm Damn. sorry. Well, hopefully you're going for some other jobs that I hope you do a good shot at. But uh, did want to wrap up. And thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. I know you got a business. Well, thank you. Uh, running a, a campaign. Thank campaign you for doing that. this. Yeah. This is pretty awesome a lot to of fun. have these stories collect- collected together. And uh, because we had to jump in, I didn't give my proper thanks at the beginning. Um, Libro, Fanshawe, and some other great organizations have uh, helped contribute both with resources and, and funding to to get this going so i really do think there's a there's a community engagement around this that's uh that's really exciting so uh awesome. hopefully we can collect these stories and uh get them out in the community and people can start to hear the the civic pride that people have like yourself and um so far i have yet uh to meet anyone that uh has not you haven't had anybody had a, come on a totally trash talk to me we'll see you know anything can happen but uh you know there's definitely recognitions of there's work that we need to do in our city and i think mm-hmm. any city any organization any individual as you pointed out has that it's ongoing th- that ongoing there's journey there's always going to be work uh, i love what you said about uh, in closing that the um as soon as we realize where our strengths are and what we're good at it allows us to more properly address the the things that we're either not good at it puts a finer point on it or draws a circle around it and says like this is a a fact you know we can't do anything about this we're going to stop worrying about it um but the things that we can change and should change uh they don't fit our brand narrative of being a great city these pockets of uh, inclusion and diversity being one of them you know we need to do a better job on that but it draws a circle around it and says okay we need to if we want to be this great city we need to move the needle on these initiatives because we are great, yeah. but we can be better if we solve these problems. And we can because we're so good at coming together. I do think so. That's yeah. my theory. I think so, too. All right. I think you're right. Well, awesome. Well, with that, we'll sign off on the live stream. But uh, thanks so much for coming. It Thank was a joy. And talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you. David and I have put our time into recording the Branding London podcast because we love this city and, more importantly, the people in it. Our traction decided to produce this podcast because this work is aligned with our core focus of amplifying great stories to increase relevance, impact, engagement, and momentum. If you'd like to support us, you can visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash brandinglondon. Your generous support will help us to promote this season into more channels so that more people can hear London's good news stories and it'll help us fund future seasons. To find recaps, videos of some interviews, our Patreon link, or more information about us in this podcast, you can visit ourtraction.com slash podcast. Production assistance for this series was provided by Webisodes. Special thanks to Adam Kaplan for his help with recording the live streams and providing the audio from those interviews. We're also grateful for the technical production support of Michael Dales. Thanks for listening. Like what you hear? Subscribe to the Branding London podcast, like our traction on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter and Instagram. 